0: Good morning. Thank you. It's good to be in God's house today, is it not? Man, I love you guys. Westwood is a special family. I want to wish you a happy new year. We're only a few hours away. It feels weird to be getting ready to convert from 2023. I've just gotten really consistent in my writing of 2023, and now I've got to put the four on there, so... Uh, I am excited to get to share with you today, as always, um, this is a special day. December 31st is a special day. We, We have a tendency, I think, to look forward, but I think we end up looking back as much if not more than forward. We look back at God's hand of favor. We look back at God's hand of provision. We look back at how God has worked in our lives. We look back at where we have been successful in our fellowship. We look back at the times we've failed miserably in our fellowship. We look back in a season and period of evaluation. It's important for us to do that. I'm now 67 years old, and I have a whole lot more runway behind me than I have in front of me. I'm super excited about the future and what God has for us to accomplish as a church, for my family to accomplish, for the ministry that I get to lead to accomplish. I'm very excited about the future, but I must admit, I spend probably more time looking back than I do forward because there's something special about looking back and seeing the hand of God, the faithfulness of God, the trustworthiness of God, the long-suffering of God, which I'll just tell you I've needed. I'm sure you haven't in your life, but I've needed it in mine. So I want us today, as a matter of fact, in light of that, I've titled this message, Looking Back, because the Scripture talks a great deal about looking back. So we're going to do that today. As a matter of fact, this message is really a culmination for me of about a 10-year journey. And it's been a long time coming for me to teach this. This is the first time that I've ever taught this. And I'm very excited about it. And when Pastor Kenneth called me a couple of months ago and said, Hey, man, David, would you do December 31st? And I said, okay, Lord, this is it. Because the scripture is crystal clear about looking back. I want to start with Romans chapter 14, verse 10, because every one of us inside this room today, and those of you who are online, I want to... Welcome you online. I want to welcome those who are our Hispanic brothers and sisters to the service. I want to welcome all of us together here. Because every one of us in this room and online who are believers are one day going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So we see this here in Romans 14.10. Paul writes these words, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand. Paul chooses his words carefully here. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And church family, I want you to understand, we're not going to be looking forward at that point. We're going to be looking back. So when we stand before Jesus, at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be looking back on our life and we're going to be given an account not for what he gave me or those sitting around you. We're going to give an account for each one of us individually as we stand before Christ and look back and give an account to him with what we did with what he entrusted to us. So today, I want to I teach on the Great Commission today, because I believe one of the areas that we're going to be held accountable to, not the only one, but certainly one of the main ones or major ones that we're going to be held accountable to is the Great Commission. So the... Great Commission is a word that I have, or two words, or a truth that I have come to sort of think that most people inside of Christendom knows what the name Great Commission means. But I would dare say there's probably a lot of you in this room, and some of you who are online, who would go, I really don't know what the Great Commission is. And the reason I know that's true is because the Barner Group... Which is probably the lead, uh, leading data gathering organization in all the U.S. that goes out and does polls and surveys with inside the church, without Christendom, went out all over America and asked regular church attenders Do you know what the Great Commission means? The results to me are staggering. of regular churchgoers answered no. 51% of people who go to church, 51% of them said, I don't know what the Great Commission means. 6% of them said, I'm not sure. 25% said yes, but they could not describe it or explain it, so for me, that's a no. No. So you do the math, that's 83%. 83 out of every 100 people polled who are regular church attenders did not know what the Great Commission was. Only 17% could describe the Great Commission and to talk about where it was in the Scripture and what it meant to their lives and were they practicing it. Only 17%. So today, I want to teach on the Great Commission. And I'm going to teach on the Great Commission in a way that you've probably never heard it. I've been in ministry full-time 38 years. I've never taught it the way I'm going to teach it today. I've never heard anybody else teach the Great Commission the way I'm going to teach it today. I've been in a lot of sermons, but I've never heard it taught the way that I'm going to teach it today because the Lord has taught me so much because you guys realize I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And it's taken me 10 years to get ready to teach this. And for the first time, I've said, okay, coach, send me in. And so you're getting to hear it for the first time. So there are three things I want us to look at. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew 28, which is where the Great Commission is. Matthew chapter 28. If you have a red letter Bible, you know that those are the words of Jesus because those letters are in red. One of the things that you might not know is theologians say that the great commission was probably spoken around 5 days before Jesus' ascension. If last words matter and they do, then these are some of Jesus' last words. They're weighty. They're powerful. They're worth a deep dive. And we're going to look at that today. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're going to look at six words today but we're particularly going to dive into two of those words. And the first two words that I want us to look at is I want us to look at the word go, and I want us to look at the word make disciples. And you're going to go, well, hang on a second. Make disciples, not one word, too. In the Greek, they're inseparable. So you can't just look at the word make and disciple. In the Greek, make disciple is like one word. So one of the ways that I've heard this passage taught many times is as you go, make disciples. What we're going to see today is that's incorrect. What we're going to see today from a grammatical standpoint is you can't say as you go connected to the Great Commission because grammatically it just doesn't work. So a little bit today, and you can see kind of the first thing that we're going to look at today, is there is a complexity in the commission. Now let me upfront say that I'm not an English scholar and I'm not a Greek scholar, even though I've had both. But I've spent time with people who are English scholars and spent time with people who have PhDs and who are Greek scholars, and have had incredible discussions over these two words, And here's why it cannot be as you go. It's because those two words, now stay with me, because I promise you, we'll put a bow on this at the end, but I need you to stay with me for right now. These two words are both verbs. The main verb, make disciples, and the word go are both in the aorist, active, imperative. So I'm going to unpack that for you. So both of these words are in the aorist tense. So in the Greek, the aorist tense, what we would describe in the English is past tense. You're going like, what? Because I've done that my whole life. I'm going like, hang on a second. So do you guys believe that Jesus was careful in choosing his words? Because you see, what he said was having gone and having made disciples. Jesus is saying, You're going to be judged when you stand before me on you having gone and having made disciples. It cannot be as you go. It cannot be a present participle. It just can't. The grammar doesn't allow that. And not only that, the word nations in the Greek is the word ethnos. The word ethnos in the Greek means a tribe, a nation, a people group. So it's not the same as going across your, the street to your neighbor. It's not the same as as you go to share the gospel with your coworkers. Now, should we do that, church? Absolutely. We don't have time to talk about Acts one eight today, but that would certainly fall under go into your Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. But we can't apply as you go to the Great Commission. It's a significant point, and we're going to see that unfold. So then Jesus makes this interesting shift from the past to the present. The shift goes from the aorist tense to the present participle called baptizing and teaching them, which we know, thank you for my English major wife, We know that the participles are in support of the main verb, right? You go like, man, I didn't know I was coming to school today. (laughs) Since when did we come to the place in the church that we thought we should take the most shallow route? When there's so much. And one of the things I'm so thankful about our pastor is he dives deep. He teaches us. This is huge because Jesus says, once you've made those disciples, then what does a present participle do? It's an ongoing action, right? So the ongoing action is once those disciples have been made, then you're baptizing them and you're teaching them. That's what we're to do as the church. That's what we do, right? At Westwood, we're baptizing and we're teaching them. And then I love this word, low. Now, in my translation, it says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, now your version there may say, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let me just tell you something. Words matter. Would you guys agree with me in that? If you don't think so, misuse it. If you don't think so, speak harshly. If you don't think so, lie. This word low is a significant word that Jesus puts here. And the cool thing about this word, they used it as a literary term in first century. So when you go back to the first century and you look at this as a literary term, what it meant was, as important as what I just said is, and let me just tell you, there's a lot of meat, isn't it, to what we just talked about? We're not done talking about it yet. You're going, great. What it says is low says that means what's about to be said is even more important than what was just said. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus never gives us a command and a call to go that he sends us out alone. He's always with us. Amen. what a powerful truth. So not only is it aorist, in the past tense, having gone and having made disciples, it is also active and imperative. I was talking to my friend who's the PhD in New Testament and Greek two weeks ago, and I had come to the conclusion in my study that it was aorist imperative. He got to his office, because he was actually just like challenged and dove into the Greek, and he calls me back and goes, hey David, it's not just active imperative. It's, it's actually aorist active and imperative. Which leads me to the second point that I want to speak on as it relates to the Great Commission. And there is a command. There is a command in the commission. So, what does this word active mean? It means engaging or ready to engage. So when Jesus looks back, he's going like, hang on a second, you were active in your having gone or you were at least ready to engage in having gone or you were at least ready to engage in making disciples. You were active. It was on the frontal lobe of your brain. It was in your prayer. It was in your thought processes. It was a part of your kingdom vision to having gone and having made disciples. But this word imperative is the word that's so challenging and so convicting to me because this word literally means giving an authoritative command. So I want you to understand this is not the great suggestion, this is the great commission. This is an authoritative command from the Son of God to his people, the church. We cannot, we must not take this lightly. So what are we going to give an account for? We're going to give an account that you, and I'm choosing my words carefully here, that you lived... uh, Your life acting on engaging in the authoritative command of Jesus. This is not a suggestion, church. This is a command for every one of us who call him Jesus, our Lord and Savior. This is not for the professionals. Is for all of us. The Great Commission's for all of us. And we're to be a part of taking the gospel to the nations. Do we go across the street? Yes. But we can't connect that. We can't say, oh, because I'm going across the street, I'm a part of the Great Commission. No. The grammar doesn't support that. There is a command in the commission there is a complexity in the commission. And then finally, there's a, there is a connection to the commission. So there's the complexity, there's the command, and then there is a connection to the commission. Because I believe Jesus gives us the beautiful picture in Matthew 25. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 25. We're going to look at verses 14 through 26. Because Jesus goes, hey, listen, everything in the scripture connects. That's the thing that's been beautiful to me as I've been on this journey, as I've looked at Romans 14, as I've looked at this idea and understanding of Matthew 28. And as I continue to try to learn more and more and, and, and dive deeper and deeper so that I have the fullest understanding... It was in the midst of that that the Lord one morning said, I want you to go to Matthew 25 and I want you to read the parable of the talents. Because I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. I'm going to prove to you that what I'm saying also appears somewhere else in the scripture. So here we see the story of a landowner called a master. That landowner and that master represents Jesus. This landowner entrusts his property to three servants. What was the property that he entrusted to them as it relates to a spiritual learning is the kingdom. What is the master Jesus entrusted to us? He's entrusted the kingdom. What is he entrusted to us? He's entrusted to us the gospel. He's entrusted those things to us as his followers, as his church. And then who are the three servants? Now, if you do a deep dive there, many theologians would say that's the Jews in the tribulation, and I would agree with that. But most theologians are also saying that you can apply that to us. It applies to us as followers of Jesus. So here's the master who has entrusted his property, his prized possession. What is Jesus' prized possession? What did Jesus talk more about on this planet than anything? The kingdom. He's entrusted to us the kingdom of God. To all of us who are followers of his, he's entrusted it to us. And so the story goes like this. Verse 14, for it will be like a man, that man being Jesus, going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. You got it? You with me here? Jesus called his followers and trusted the kingdom to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each, and I love this, to each according to his ability. Have any of you ever felt sort of slighted about the gifts and abilities? You know, one of the things I wish I could do is sing. I mean, I stand over there and Pepe would tell you, man, I was making a joyful noise unto the Lord over there. And he didn't do much better, brother, just to (laughs) let you know. But by the time it got to the ears of the Lord, it was like a sweet aroma to the nostrils of God. Praise God for the Holy Spirit of God. I've always been jealous of those guys who can preach and sing. My good friend, Chris Bell, I mean, the guy can just, man, he can just sing. And he can, man, he can just preach. That's just not right. I mean, have y'all noticed that? I mean... Isn't it interesting what Satan does to us? He wants us to minimize the gifts that we've been given and to look and want somebody else's gift. When the truth of the matter is the Lord wants us to use the gifts he's given us. Each according to his ability. Then he went away. Where did Jesus go? He ascended, right? We know at Acts 1.8, eight. He ascended. Do we know that he's coming again? Yes. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents, and I love this, went at once. Eris active. He went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Three different people given the same thing. Two treated one way and one treated it a very different way. Now, let me just say, if you write in your Bible or you highlight on your phone or whatever it is you do to call to your attention, verse 19, you need to do that underline it box it i mean mine's actually a box in my bible because verse 19 is the vortex of what i've been talking about now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them make no mistake church family there will be a reckoning there will be an accounting. And what did this master do with his three servants? Did he look forward? No. He looked back. He looked back and asked the question, what is it that you did with what I entrusted to you? And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five more talents saying, master, you delivered to me five talents here I Pay attention, have made five talents more. Look at verse 21. I love verse 21. Every believer in this room and online are longing to hear these words Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Who does not want to enter into the joy of the Lord? All of us want to enter into the joy of the Lord. Jesus has just communicated how we do that. And then in verse 22, he says, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, pay attention, church. Look carefully at the wording. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Church, what's the difference in verse 21 and verse 23? Church, what's the difference? Not a rhetorical question. What's the difference in verse 21 and verse 23? Not a word difference. You see, it doesn't matter if you get five or two. Listen to me, church. It doesn't matter if you get five or two. What matters is what do you do with what God gave you. What did He entrust to you? You're not responsible for what He gave me, and I'm not responsible for what He gave you. Yes, some He gave five, and man, I, you know, I'm the guy who might have gotten one, and I won't sometimes have to be careful about being jealous. But the truth of the matter is, I'm only responsible for what he's entrusted to me. When I stand before him, you're not gonna be standing there. When you're standing before him, I'm not gonna be standing there. We're gonna be standing there together before Jesus, giving an account to our two or our five. He also... Who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you had been a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you had scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours, but his master answered him, You wicked. My Bible says, Slothful, yours may say lazy. You're a wicked and lazy servant. You see, all three of these were entrusted to the kingdom. All three of these were entrusted to the gospel. Two used their talents, one did not. So the question of the day is, which one of the three are you? If Jesus were here today, and you stood before him today, and he asked you today, What did you do with what I entrusted to you? Were you faithful in having gone? And were you faithful in having made disciples? What words would you hear? Proverbial pin drop. If we were to take this day, December 31st, 2023, and we could look back over the last 12 months, in light of having gone and having made disciples, would we hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Or would we hear, you lazy, slothful servant? What have you done to advance my namesake among the nations? I have great news for us today. You ready for great news now? We need something after the proverbial pin drop, right? In about 12 hours, the time's gonna click and tomorrow's gonna become January 1. I'm so thankful that we serve a Lord that forgives us. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who picks us up when we fall. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who loves us and is long-suffering. I'm so grateful for second and third and fifth and 100th and 200th opportunities to, to try to get it right. Because I can just tell you, there are days I feel like I get it way more wrong than I do right. I'm thankful that I can, I can confess my sin before the Lord and in my earnest confession, he is faithful to forgive me and to place my sin as far as the east is from the west, amen? This is what I don't want for us. I don't want this for my life and I don't want this for your life. I don't wanna be in this room one year from today on December 31st, 2024 with regrets. Regrets. I want us to come out of here today as a church family with the attitude that we're going to charge the gates of hell with a water pistol. That we're going to get after getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, you might be going practically, David, how do we do that? How how can I live a life in 2024 that can be said of me that you have gone and have made disciples? Well, let me tell you, the first thing you can do is pray. Pray. Pray for the nations. Earnestly pray for the nations. Pray for your brothers and sisters who are in harm's way all over the world. We've had 232 church planters killed in Afghanistan alone since the takeover. Church family, this is not a game. People are putting their lives on the line for the gospel. They're asking us to intercede and pull alongside them. You want to be someone who's carrying out the Great Commission? Pray. Give financially to people who are making a difference in the kingdom. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that's about sending missionaries who are going, who are short term and midterm and long term. One of the ways that you can go and make disciples is to actually go. The first step for you in going ought to be get your passport. Get your passport and be ready. Have your hands open. Have your yes on the table that says, Lord, my yes is on the table and I'm willing to go anywhere you send me to do, anything you have me to do. That's how you have gone and have made disciples. So give and go and tell and pray. Pray. Live this life filled with a kingdom vision to see the Great Commission fulfilled. Maybe not in my lifetime, but for some of you in this room who are younger than I am, the the generation before mine, wouldn't it be a glorious day to see the Great Commission fulfilled in your lifetime? So I want to leave you with this. This has been an amazing journey for me. Thank you for allowing me to share it with you today. Your impact point today is massive in my mind. Because here's the truth of the matter. We need to live every day in the future, say with me, we are to live every day in the future with the reality that we'll be judged based on our past. When 2024 is over, we will be judged on what we did in 2024, not on 2025 the truth of the matter is we need to live our life. Y'all, the great news is as long as we have breath in our lungs, we can make a difference. We can answer what Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. We are going to be judged on having gone and having made disciples. Let's start that the moment we walk out of this room saying, I am going to concentrate on the Great Commission because when I stand before my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant.